Kia ora. Welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV, for the 22nd of May, 2023. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by Chief Economist, Calvin Davidson. Calvin, how are you, mate? How's your weekend? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, my wife was away again, so, uh, you know, I was solo parenting. My my brownie points are, you know, off the charts, so I have to make sure I recoup that at some point. But, um, no, kids were good. It was, it was fine. Uh, Christchurch weather wasn't amazing for the weekend, so... Um, it was kind of inside activities, but um, yeah, first world problems, I guess, isn't it? But uh, you were down this way too. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we had a great weekend down Christchurch. Just got back this afternoon. So that's the, hence the late release of the podcast. So I do apologize for that. But we had a, a great weekend down there. So I came down Thursday night, back this afternoon, today, Monday. Um, but yeah, big party Saturday night for our friend's 40th. Hosted a big dinner party, hired a chef and everything. So, yeah, amazing food and probably too many drinks and a bit of a slow Sunday. So, yeah, unfortunately, you and I didn't get to catch up. But, um, yeah, plenty plenty going on anyway. But, no, it was a good weekend. And, yeah, they just say the weather wasn't ideal. Um, but um, our kids happily playing with their little mates there as well. So they seem to sort of keep themselves busy, pretty testing at times. But uh, I suppose that's pretty standard as well. And and yes, mate, make sure you do make a note to uh, cash in those brownie points at some stage. Have you got anything on the horizon for yourself? Any trips away? No, gee, might uh, might be able to go play some rounds of golf or something like that. Get some history, some extra watching sport on TV or something like that. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, won't be won't be forgotten. No, too right. Good on you. All right, mate. Well, let's get into things then. And um, pretty big week last week, really, when you think about it. Um, I think it sort of started on the, it might have been the Tuesday or whatever, Westpac released an update to their forecast for the OCR, which got quite a few headlines because it did push that peak OCR rate to 6%. In advance of anyone else doing anything like this, um, they attributed a lot of that change to the um, migration, strong migration and, and the increased demand that would bring and inflation and needing to then lift the OCR obviously to fight against that inflation seemed pretty out there at the time. And then after following the government's budget on Wednesday, Wednesday I think it was, um, or Thursday was it? Thursday, I think, yeah. Thursday, Thursday, okay. Uh, yeah, my days are a bit thrown out. Um, yeah, Thursday's release, sorry. And uh, and then following that, we sort of saw because of the increased government spending, most of the other banks have sort of come into line with where Westpac were at and that 5.75 or 6% peak. So that'll no doubt dominate all the discussion today, Calvin. But I wondered before we get all too far into that, uh, maybe just talk about the budget itself. Um, any of the Treasury forecasts that were in there, I did notice that it said um, they're not expecting a recession anymore, although I find that funny when we think, according to that NZAC, that we might have actually already been in one in Q1, so I suppose we'll wait and see for that data, but certainly for the rest of the year, they're not expecting activity to drop that far, so it won't come later in the year. Whether we've been through one or not, I suppose we'll find out, but I suspect we have. Um, but anyway, from their forecast, obviously, they don't think there would be. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you want to just go through your take. There was not too much direct from the um, budget for housing itself, you know, a bit of extra spending for social housing and and the standard old stuff. But you maybe talk us through your read on the budget, um, direct to housing, and then the indirect effect from, yeah, the amount of spending and, and how that played out with the rest of the economists' forecasts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, so like I said, not, not a huge amount of direct stuff. I mean, a little bit of extra spending on public housing, you know, seems good. Um, so obviously the big infrastructure spend, which is, you know, not necessarily related to housing, more about sort of the, the cyclone and that, but um, good to have that term. And we know infrastructure is vital to catering for future housing needs, putting it in the right place and being able to get the right type of housing where, where people might want to live. So that all seems pretty good. Um, no 
capital gains tax or wealth tax or anything like that. So I suppose uh, some people will breathe a sigh of relief. There was that increase to the the, the top rate for for trusts, which um, you know I, I suppose has some people up in arms a little bit. But yeah, generally nothing too much direct in terms of significant housing measures. Um, but yeah, certainly could be some indirect impacts here because, uh, I mean, I, I'm no expert on sort of the public finances and the kind of interpreting all the spending data and, and what it all means in terms of the overall economic impact. Lots, lots of other people sort of go through that. And the overall impression from that work that other people did is that basically this this budget did kind of stimulate the economy in net terms. Um, so actually sort of called no frills, and it, and it might have been to some extent, but it did actually result in a, a net boost to economic activity or, or or a will do according to that analysis. So basically all else equal, you know, more spending, more economic growth, a bit more inflationary pressure. And and that's kickstarted a whole round of revisions from those bank economists in terms of where they think inflation will be, what the official cash rate peak might be. I'm pretty sure now all of the all of the big four at least have have gone to a a higher OCR peak, 5.75, and as you say, some even pushing up to 6. So, um, yeah, certainly indirect through that. Now, of course, the impact on property depends really on what happens to mortgage rates and how much the banks pass through. Now, competitive pressures, all of that, they might they might pass some through only to some terms, you know, that. so there's all of, all of that to take into account. But all else equal, the budget did kind of have a net boost to spending, and you'd have to think at the margin some kind of, uh, further upward impact on mortgage rates because uh, it hasn't really been priced in. Everyone's been pricing in five and a half for the OCR. So, so yeah, um, probably a bit more upward pressure on mortgage rates. You'd have to think maybe a bit more downwards pressure on house prices than otherwise would have been. I don't think it really changes you know, that overall story too much, but this is all kind of at the margin stuff. In the end, though, you know, it's all about how the Reserve Bank interprets it and what they think. Um, needs to happen with the OCR off the back of that, um, because on the on the same at uh, the same time we've seen other things kind of move in, in their favour, if you like. You know, inflation actually has come down, and, and and inflation expectations have tailed off. So, yeah, a lot to sort of keep in mind. But um, certainly the budget, all else equal, does suggest you know we might have a few more OCR increases than we thought. Yeah, and look, I say it's all about the Reserve Bank. Yes, these economists, they update their um, forecast straight away or whenever they want, I guess, whenever that new data comes in, whereas Reserve Bank are much more on that regular schedule. Luckily for us, though, that regular schedule does coincide this Wednesday at 2pm when we get their latest monetary policy statement, um, including all their forecasts. So not only will they make that call on the official cash rate and very likely to go from 525 to 5.5%, I know there has now been a little bit of an increase in the in the chance of it going to 5.75 this time but it seems most agree 25 basis point lift and then we might see another one later on this year um, whether that's June or or later we'll wait and see but I suppose the key thing is yeah their forecasts will also be released so their forecast OCR track forecast unemployment forecast GDP all those things which everyone pay very close attention to and you mentioned that previously the expectation was that the OCR would peak at five and a half and that's what everyone's priced in. Also, you know, many of the um, economists that actually priced in or, or had um, on their forecasts that that 5.5% would come down later this year or into next year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if and when the Reserve Bank have any um, drops in the OCR forecast too, because that'll have an influence, of course, over those mortgage interest rates and how those banks are pricing them. So be a pretty interesting one, I suppose, on Wednesday, um, the decision itself. But of course, the the 
the language, the commentary, the the way they write things, and how their um, their uh, media release and their press um, conference goes as well. So we'll certainly be paying close attention to that one. Um, wind us all up into that monetary policy statement, Calvin. Is there anything else in terms of your expectations on that? The one thing I, I, I really there's this line from the Westpac release when they talked about the OCR forecast ahead of everyone else, and it just sounded so much like the Reserve Bank. You know, as much as I was a bit skeptical about the Westpac's release initially, um, I think when you read it like this, that's when I started to go, oh, you know, that sounds very like much like the Reserve Bank. So if they take a similar line, then maybe we do actually expect that peak to be closer to 6%. But their last line was better to finish the job now than have to come back with stronger, more painful measures later. And that is just so similar to the Reserve Bank when they've been talking about you know, better to get the job done now, uh, better to have those increases in the OCR now, whether that storm and have the ability to drop the OCR in future because you can use that to stimulate the economy and get back out of a recession if, if and when we do get into one. Um, but, you know, the worst thing they still see, the Reserve Bank, and it sounds like Westpac's view on this too, is that you have this lingering inflation. And now that there's these inflationary pressures with migration, more spending from government, obviously helping out, like I said, infrastructure from the, the cyclone damage, you know, that is going to increase inflation. And so to fight that, you need to push that OCR up. So the more and more I read of that, and the more and more I considered it, the more I thought, okay, maybe this, this is much more aligned to the Reserve Bank thinking, and that's what we should expect on Wednesday. So yeah, I'm starting to drift towards, you know, maybe we do get that 6% peak, which, yep, no doubt's a surprise given the last few weeks. And we've certainly been pretty clear in saying, you know, we thought mortgage interest rates were pretty close to peak. Um, as you say, question is how much of that gets passed through. But um, ultimately, you know, it's probably more likely than not, certainly in my mind anyway. But on Wednesday, we'll obviously see that as well. So, yeah, maybe wrap, wrap us up on the OCR chat, Reserve Bank, with your expectations for Wednesday. And then we can um, have a look at what else was out last week and, and, and what's to come. Yeah, there's there's probably just a, a couple of things I'd I'd add. I mean, definitely the the forecasts within the NPS are going to be fascinating. What they're saying, you know, what they might actually signal. <clears throat> you know, do they do they push up the future track for the OCR, and when do they bring it back down, and all of that. But also their language. Um, you know, the, I, you'd expect maybe some some tough forecasts and some tough language because yeah, the, they've been pretty staunch all along about inflation's public enemy number one. We we want to get on top of it now. And, and yeah, they're prepared to. They've talked about that mistake. They'd rather go sort of too hard and and have to bring it back down again rather than not go hard enough. I suppose so. Yeah, the the detailed forecasts and the the statement will be really interesting. I suppose yeah. Keep in mind that a lot of those um, chief economists of the banks have actually been at the Reserve Bank or or other central banks, and so kind of know how it works. You know, they might still have some sneaky contacts in there that they're, they're sort of tapping for for information. Although I assume they'll they'll have anything in advance, of course. But um, yeah, just that general vibe of what's going on, they'll understand that. So, and and I think really they've been pretty accurate and and predicting what the reserve bank's going to do through the cycle so um that's something to keep in mind i guess for me i just um there's a couple of things around this whole this whole cycle and you know, keep in mind the ocr started at 0.25 i mean there's been such a big change already and a, a lot of it a lot of that impacts yet to be fully felt by you know the the third or forty percent of households with a mortgage or whatever that number is. So um, there's uh, there's still an impact coming through here that that delayed impact. And so I think every OCR increase we get on top of what's already been delivered just really does raise the chance that it it sort of goes too high and then has to be brought 
brought back down a bit. And I think even, say, Kiwi Bank might be saying something like that, that you know, they're actually still penciling interest rate cuts this year because it could be that idea that sort of goes too high in the near term and does actually need to be brought down as, as those lag effects kind of hit the economy. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, also, it swings and roundabouts. I mean, you, you know, the, the through the budget and and especially if those Treasury forecasts are right, I mean, yes, we might get a bit more pressure on mortgage rates, but the sort of trade-off is no recession, or at least according to, to those Treasury numbers. So, you know, maybe unemployment doesn't go, doesn't go as high. We see fewer job losses. So, yeah, it might cost you but you're more on your mortgage, but you're going to keep your job. So, you know, there's always trade-offs and sort of swings and roundabouts here. And so that's why I think, through all of this last week or so, I don't think the housing view necessarily changes. You know, maybe mortgage rates sneak up a bit more, but the the quid pro quo, if you want to call it that, is is a, a sort of better underlying economy. So, yeah, there's there's always um, there's always two sides to the coin, I guess. But certainly, yeah, another another interesting week, and we'll uh, we'll see what comes out on Wednesday. Such a balance they have to really struggle to get, isn't it? Um, when they are trying to weigh up all that stuff, and actually think back to the financial stability report they put out at the start of the month and them saying that they've you know tested these households and while there is some concern because some people will be rolling on to mortgage rates higher than what they were tested on so there's obviously some caution around that they still don't see you know these high mortgage rates causing too many problems and I suppose when you look at it from that perspective then again the reason not to increase the OCR much further is is, is, is reduced um, if they still see that yeah most most mortgage holders can handle higher payments then I think they'll continue on that path and, and, and it could likely peak above 5.5%. So, yeah, it's all that stuff weighing up, eh? but it's not like they don't put out enough data, enough information through financial stability reports and the, the assisting papers that go with it, the forecast they've got, the commentary they have, that there's there's plenty in there. And that's probably one of the lessons from last time, right, when they did the surprise OCR um, 50 basis point lift, I think it was. And and I think, you know, we reflected on that one and said, you know, they've been pretty clear all along. Maybe we shouldn't have been so surprised. And, um, and you know, that's probably shaping us this week to think, yep, you know, this change in all the economists' views probably will be consistent with the Reserve Bank. So do not be surprised if we see the 25 lift and then, yep, further forecast lifts off the back of that. So, yeah, it seems, seems about right. Um, let's wait and see on that one. They will certainly be eagerly sitting there at that, that 2 p.m. on Wednesday. Um, move us on then, Calvin. And, and the other thing that did come out last week was from the Reserve Bank as well. Um, it was the debt to income data for Q1. So they released this for the whole quarter. You had a quick look at that data, mate. What did you pull out there and what lessons do we have to learn for, for what we're expecting to come into next year? Yeah, not too much change actually, and the the high, the amount of lending going out at a high debt to income ratio has has stayed pretty low. So there's there's a degree of control there still. Whether you're an investor or owner occupier, the the high DTI loans are still under control. Um, so no surprises. We I mean, you know house prices are lower, so of course you don't need as much debt. Incomes have risen. You know, I think from both the borrower and the bank's perspective, there's sort of less less appetite for risky lending anyway. So so it's all kind of tailed off. And then you get that simple natural effect of higher interest rates naturally limit how much debt you can service out of your income anyway. So there's all of these factors that have naturally brought these numbers down to the point where now we don't know what the DTIs will, will be if and when they come in in sort of seven, eight months' time. But um or maybe even a bit longer than that actually, March, April next year. But 
the the number that's been bandied about is kind of seven. And if they did put them in place at seven, right now with some kind of speed limit system as well, it wouldn't actually do anything based on the numbers that we're seeing. So um, again, I think it's more a bit, but, uh, but with all that in mind, I don't think it will necessarily prevent them from, from putting the DTIs in place. That they kind of, the ground is being prepared. Uh, it's a case of we'll put them in place. They might not bind, but at least they're there for that next cycle, and and we'll we'll keep a lid on things in the future. So, so yeah, just because the the DTI is under control for now, I wouldn't necessarily sort of relax and say, hey, there's there's never going to be any rules because I think actually there probably will be. Um, it's just that they're about that next cycle rather than this cycle. So yeah, for now, you know, good news from a risky lending perspective, but I don't think it precludes DTIs sort of uh, you know early next year. No, exactly. And it probably, once again, ties back to the financial stability. You know, recent borrowers haven't taken too much debt on. Um, so again, as long as they keep their job, then you'd hope that they're going to be able to continue to service that debt, reduce spending elsewhere. And uh, and it kind of all lines up with everything else we've been speaking about today. Um, all good, mate. Well, then the races that I picked up on last week were the CoreLogic ones. So, of course, we had our uh, monthly chart pack release, which is the comprehensive view of everything in the market and and what's sort of you know shifting the market up and down, um, including things like rental data, which maybe we don't you know usually get as much coverage for or put out as as much as usual. Um, and we also had the release of the first home buyer report, which I think we touched on last week. But from those CoreLogic releases, mate, once again you fronted those and and went to the media on that. Anything particular you want to talk about from the release? itself or any of the conversations that you had following up on that release yeah um and the, the chart is going well actually really well it's it's generating a good bit of interest i mean the media is obviously keen on it but i'm also getting you know random emails from from punters saying oh i saw this chart or you know can you tell me more about that so so that's that's uh you know satisfying um but yeah in terms of the content I, I guess you know we put out the first time buyer report that was saying first time buyers have held on pretty well well the flip side in the chart pad was well who, who hasn't you know and when you're looking at market share if one group's gone up someone else must have gone down and of course the group that's struggling is mortgaged investors so we kind of put that in as the headline and, and that generated you know a bit of coverage so there's probably nothing new there we know that mortgage investors have been quiet in terms of their purchasing activity for a fair while now um, the, the latest number itself in April was in terms of market share was it was a record low so I suppose that was the new the new bit of information there uh, even if the trend's been down for a while so you know 40% deposits and interest deductibility, all of those things are making it making it tricky for investors to buy extra properties. They're not selling much or, or not selling to any greater degree than perhaps they normally would, um, but buying activity is certainly pretty low. So, so that was the headline and that, that's what the, the, the general coverage in, in terms of interviews, that's what I was talking about. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens next. I mean, LVR's looser, you know, could that bring a few investors back in, triple CFA, what that might do? Is there a window there where investors will actually be, you know, well, it's kind of, it's a bit tricky, but I want to get in before DTIs, uh, you know, and, and try and beat those. So, um, yeah, there's, there's an election, of course, interest deductibility. So there's heaps to, heaps to watch in that investment area. But, of course, You've still got low rental yields, you've still got high mortgage rates. You know, the, you look at you can run some pretty simple numbers on on the top ups required to to actually keep the average property going week to week, and it's pretty substantial. So, um, yeah, there's there's definitely some challenges challenges out there in terms of of mortgage investors making purchases. Some are the sums are working for some people, but yeah, definitely a challenge for sure. Yeah, I think there was a bit more coverage on that too, whether either linked to our staff or not, talking about the real costs of the infrastructure change. 
Um, obviously, with higher interest rates, it's costing more as well. So no doubt that's probably holding purchases back. It's just we're not seeing it make people sell yet. But maybe they're sort of, you know, as they roll over and starting to see the size of these bills and the fact that they can't write off those interest costs, uh, then they top up their mortgage every year or whatever, then that's um, that, that, that might actually start to play out a bit differently. And, of course, we do have the potential we think, for people, some investors holding on until they hit their bright line test period so they don't have to pay any, any tax on the capital gain they've made and wait till outside that five or 10-year period, depending on when they bought. And uh, that might see a lift in properties being listed for sale if they simply can't make it work. And, you know, on the flip side of this as well, it's well on the, on the later side, it's, um, you know, expectation is less capital growth on the other side of the cycle too. And so, you know, if you're not getting the yield on it and then you're not sure you're going to get the same growth, um, and the capital, then it is, it is tougher to make that that investment stack up. Um, so yeah, certainly becoming tougher, and that's being borne out in the numbers. Um, and so I think yeah, not not really a surprise, but yeah, just those those sheer numbers obviously bring it to light in a in a good way um, or in an interesting way anyway. So yeah, that's a, it's a good point in terms of where that coverage has been. Um, but that sounds all good. So um, this week in terms of reports, Calvin, uh, the pain and gain report, which is obviously looking at resales over time, anything that's sold in Q1 this year, uh, what was the previous purchase price and what's the difference between those two prices? Um, data's not quite out yet to public, but did you want to just talk about that release and anything inside there? Probably, again, not too many surprises, but it's good to get those actual figures out there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with property values continuing to fall, we've seen, I suppose, a, a bit more pain and a bit less gain. That the frequency of of profit making resales has has gone down a bit. The size of those gains has come down, still pretty significant, and that reflects whole periods. You know, even even in a in a two year downturn or eighteen month downturn, if you've held it for ten years, well, you're still going to be ahead. So, you know, the gains are still there, but um, a bit less than they used to be. So yeah, it's the, the tone of that is definitely uh, more, uh, I suppose, you know, more pain and, and less gain than it has been lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's good detail in there, right, in terms of property type and investors compared to homeowners and stuff like that. So yeah, that'll be out this week. And um, well, we should mention that you're not going to be on the podcast next week, so I'll look to get a guest, and we'll 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 certainly dive into the detail of that data uh, next week anyway. Um, otherwise, made the macroeconomic releases next week. What do we got? We got some mortgage lending figures for April, NZAC for April, um, which will be of interest out that measure of you know the economic activity and also consumer confidence later in the week. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on in terms of those releases or what you're looking out for and what I'll be looking out for to talk about next week's podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose uh, in the in the um, consumer confidence one, it's uh, I think it's probably moved on a little bit from. You know what people are thinking about their their economic position. It's probably more about that inflation expectations component, and you know Reserve Bank be watching that pretty closely in terms of. Uh, I mean, obviously too late for their for their upcoming decision, but although we're pretty keen to see what's in there around inflation expectations, and, and yeah, I guess on the on the mortgage lending stats, again just a month too early, but I'm, I'm watching out for next month's figures in terms of of what impact we might start to see from that. That loosening to the LVR rules, which I haven't actually seen confirmed yet, um, but I'm, I'm expecting a, you know an email from Reserve Bank anytime saying uh, you know consultation done and, and these things are loosening first of June. So, so but given that was announced at the end of April, there's already that headroom there from the banks. You'd have to wonder whether you know in May right now 
even if the rules haven't officially kicked in, if, if you went to a bank now and said, hey, can you know, can I have a loan with a small deposit? There might be a bit more available. So be interested to see if that's if that comes through in, in May's numbers, which uh, you know, will be a month away. But in April's figures themselves, you'd you'd anticipate more of the same, finance pretty tight. And um yeah, so we have to wait and see over the next couple of months. Good point though, in terms of the first of June is not that far away. That's crazy. Um yeah. So yeah, in terms of, I, mean, I remember when they announced that initially and I was like, oh yeah, 1st of June, it's a little way away, but yeah, it's what, it's probably next week, is it? Middle of next week. So that's um, crazy in itself. Um, all good, mate. And the other thing I was going to mention was, of course, that our monthly video was also live. So good little five minutes of a snappy view on the market with some nice charts as well. Um, worthwhile, just having a quick look at that one. I'll put the link in the show notes there. But um, yeah, anything else on your mind, mate, or, or want to tell us what you're up to next week? Uh, off to off to Australia, family holiday. Yeah, so um, we'll see how that goes. I'm not I'm not particularly looking forward to the flight with with young children, four hours or three and a half each way or something. But um, but yeah, be good. We got uh, we got well, they've got four cousins uh, over in over in Brisbane. So um, yeah, be be uh, looking forward to that, and I'll catch up with my brother and, and the rest of the rest of the family. So um, yeah, be good. Hopefully, some some nice uh, sort of Queensland weather uh, when it's chilly over here. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, indeed, mate. Uh, well, good on you, and you, you certainly deserve it to have the good break. So uh, I'll try to leave you alone, I promise. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody else sending me emails, uh, yeah, but uh, we'll deal with those when we get back. Indeed, not all good. Okay, mate, well, I'll wrap us up there then, and we can get into our evenings, not morning today. A little bit mm. different, of course, in our timing, so we'll try and get this pushed out as soon as possible. But thanks, as per usual, mate. Uh, great to get your thoughts on all those things. There's, there's plenty in it with the, the budget and OCR changes, so thank you very much. And just thank you very much for listening. Please do make sure you subscribe to the show and get in touch. We're available on Twitter, LinkedIn, and our email address is also sitting within the podcast player. You are listening through right now. Let me say thanks again. My name is Nick. He's Calvin. You've been listening to the Zealand Property Market Podcast. Mā tewa.